Well, we're going to be in Proverbs quite a bit today, so you might want to turn to the book of Proverbs. We'll be in quite a few Scripture verses this morning. Most of them will be from Proverbs, though. Mother's Day was first celebrated in the United States in 1908. It occurred at a Methodist church in Virginia. Each mom was given a white carnation because the quote they gave was, the carnation does not drop its petals but hugs them to its heart as it dies. And so two mothers hug their children to their hearts, their mother love never dying. The woman who headed up the celebration wanted Mother's Day to be a simple holiday where churches honored mothers, children thanked their mothers, and families spent time with mom. The custom, however, quickly spread to 45 states, and just six years later, in 1914, it became an official holiday. Today, it is usually seen as a day to treat mom to something special and possibly give her the day off. It's also one of the biggest holidays for consumer spending, as I found out this week when I went shopping. (laughs) Interestingly, the dichotomy of that, with simplicity, and now it's pretty complex, The woman who organized that very first celebration in 1908 and who eventually campaigned for it to be a national holiday, she later spent her entire life savings fighting for its removal from the calendar because of how commercialized it became. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 11, it says something very interesting. It says, there is a generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother. While our culture has a day that we honor mothers, the Bible states that it is very possible for a generation to not bless their mothers. And that's what it is more concerned with necessarily than a day where we honor mothers. This is a very sad revelation from God, that it is possible to cultivate a society where we curse our fathers and do not bless our mothers. What does it mean to bless our mothers here? Well, the word bless here, it means to meet someone with a positive verbal exchange. You see them, you interact with them, and it blesses their heart. It's a positive verbal exchange. Now, in Proverbs 30, verse 11, if you keep reading, it says, not only is there a generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother, it also says there's a generation that are pure in their own eyes. In verse 12 and verse 13, there is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes. And then 14, there's a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives. So God compares a culture where our interactions with our mothers break our hearts. If there's a culture whose interactions with their mothers breaks their mother's hearts, it compares that culture to one that thinks they're pure when they aren't, a culture that's prideful, and a culture that's cutthroat. Now, I would say that our culture currently qualifies for the statements in verses 12 through 14. Is it possible we qualify for the statement in verse 11 too, that we are a people who do not bless our mothers? Well, if it's possible for an entire culture to become like this, that means it's very possible for an individual to displease God in this way. So whether our culture qualifies for this statement or not, I think God's point is clear. We surely want to be a church of individuals where our mothers walk away blessed from our exchanges with them, right? That's who we want to be. So the question is, how do we do that? 
How can we be a blessing to our moms? How can we be those who interact with our mothers in such a way that they walk away from that exchange blessed? And how do you do that even when your mother isn't the best mom? Or your relationship with your mother is challenging? Well, no matter what kind of mother you have, the Bible is very clear about the ways we're supposed to treat our mothers and the ways that we're not supposed to treat our mothers. And if we want to be a blessing to the mothers in our lives, we do well to take heed to what God says on the topic. So I'm going to share with you a few things this morning, a handful of things of what the Bible says about how to treat your mom to bless her, how not to treat her so that you can be a blessing to her. So the first thing is probably the most obvious. The Bible says, number one, honor your father and mother, right? Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 is the first place we see that command. It's repeated all throughout the Old and New Testaments. Honor thy mother. The word honor, it comes from a root word that means something that's weighty. Uh, When you use this word in regards to a person, it refers to someone in society that is honorable, impressive, and worthy of respect. And so to give weight to that person means you give them your respect, you give them your attention. And so when we talk about honoring our mothers, it means that we give them respect and we give them our attention. And so I ask you this morning, do you treat your mother as someone who's worthy of respect? Do you set her apart from the other people in your life? Do you pay attention to her or do you ignore her? Obeying God's command to honor your mother is one of the ways that you can bless your mother. When you communicate to her in such a way that she knows that you've deemed her worthy of respect, that she knows that you set her apart from the other people that are in your life, and when you pay unique attention to her, that's one of the ways that you can be a blessing to your mother, honor her. The second way is found in Leviticus 19 verse 3. In Leviticus 19, verse 3, it says this, You shall fear every man his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Now, some of you didn't need me to read a Bible verse to tell you not to mess with your mama. Right? The word revere there, fear, as it's translated there, it means to show profound respect for someone so much so that it borders on fear. It's not that you're to walk around afraid of your mom. The idea here is you, you show profound respect for her to such a sense that it borders on fear. I do think it's very interesting that God puts this command to revere, to respect your mother. He puts that command right next to the command to keep his Sabbaths. Breaking the Sabbath was a, a capital cr- crime. Sabbath-keeping was at the forefront of every Israeli's mind. Their entire life revolved around the Sabbath, and they looked forward to it each week. I remember when I first got saved and started reading my Bible and started learning about this thing called the Sabbath. I always thought of it as a negative thing. I thought, it's a day where I can't do anything. Yay! Like, that sounds horrible. But as I grew as a Christian, I started interacting with some Jewish families and stuff. I realized they thought the exact opposite about the Sabbath that I did, that I didn't understand it correctly. I think the best way to encapsulate what the Sabbath means to a Jewish family was when I was over in Israel my first time. When I was there, one of our tour guides explained the Sabbath this way. He said, you Americans, you have a few holiday celebrations every year. He goes, in Israel, we have a holiday celebration every week. 
I didn't know exactly what he meant until I experienced my first Sabbath day. I kind of wondered what it'd be like. We were at the kibbutz, which is the, the kind of like, like an area like a hotel, but it's also like a commune that's there, a farm. And as we were going into the dinner hall and stuff, I didn't know what to expect. I'm like, was it going to be like a ghost town? You kind of walk in and there's like a few things left over from last night that they leave out for you. And I was so fascinated because I walked in and people had like party hats on, the kids had balloons, and yes, there was a limited type of menu and stuff like that, but everybody was just having a great day. They were just enjoying their, each other's company, enjoying their meal, and just resting and relaxing and spending time with one another. And I thought to myself, I'll get used to this. Every week you guys celebrate? Yeah, it's awesome. And so when we think of this idea of revering your mother, of showing this profound respect for your mother, it comes with this idea of keeping the Sabbath, the idea of anticipation, the idea of joy. And so I ask you this morning, is your heart towards your mother similar? Do you have such a profound respect for her that she has a high priority in your mind? And do you look forward to treating her with respect, just like the Israelis would look forward to celebrating the Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath. Or is treating your mom with respect constantly a weight? Or have you written her off because the relationship is complicated? Or because she has flaws? Or because she has failed you in the past? Listen, no matter how good or how bad your mom has been or is, revering her is one of the ways you can be a blessing to her. When she knows that you have that profound respect for her, it will be a blessing to her. The next way that you can bless your mother is on the negative side. It says, do not forsake her teaching. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 says it this way. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It says, my son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto your head and chains about your neck. Proverbs 6, 20 and 21 says something similar, but it says this. My son, keep your father's commandment and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart and tie them about your neck. The first one says, don't forsake the law of your mother because it'll be like, like multiple necklaces or like an ornament of grace, a beautiful ornament. But then it says in Proverbs 6, bind them, connect them, put them around your neck. Don't forsake them. The word forsake means to reject or to abandon, to cause a relationship or an association to cease. So we're not to cause the relationship with our mother's instruction to cease. We're not to cause our association with our mother's instruction to cease. That's what it says, forsake not the law. It means her teaching or her instruction. At some point in our lives, our mothers taught all of us something, right? At some point. I mean, even if you can't think of a whole lot, at some point, all of our mothers taught us something. And I would dare say for most of us, they taught us far more things than we could list. You and I can either abandon our connection to those lessons or we can bind ourselves to them. And one of the ways that you can bless your mother is by appreciating the things that they taught you, by remaining connected to them and not breaking off that connection. And one of the other ways that you can bless your mom is by letting them know that you appreciate those lessons still. You know, I 
always make sure to put in my mom's Mother's Day cards something that she taught me. My mom always had her Bible open on the table. Always. Even before I was a Christian, I always saw my mom with her Bible open on the table. And it was something that stuck with me to the point when I became a Christian, the Bible became very important to me. And so I always try to mention to her in the card, say, thank you for teaching me about how important the Bible's supposed to be to me. I wouldn't be a man who valued the word of God like I do today if it was not for your influence. Bless your mom by appreciating the things they taught you and by letting them know you still appreciate them. The next way that we can be a blessing to our mom, it says don't despise her. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 20 with me. Proverbs 15, verse 20. In Proverbs 15, 20, it says, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. In Proverbs 23, 22, it puts it this way. It says, Hearken unto your father that begat you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Both of these thoughts are important if we're going to be a blessing to our mothers. The word despise, it means to think lightly of or to show contempt for. It describes the feelings you have towards something that you regard as bad or as something that has little value. I see very little value in watching television these days. So I kind of have contempt for it when it's on. You know, I just kind of see it and I just think, eh, why is that on? That should not be the way that we feel about our mothers. No matter how good or how bad your mother is, every one of us here can say that she gave us something of great value, right? She gave us our lives. She gave us our lives. And I would say this morning, when you see the vitriol in the news toward the unborn, when you consider the fact that there are churches on Mother's Day today being protested, that there are groups picketing and protesting outside churches today on Mother's Day, the day we celebrate the giving of life. I would have you consider the fact that valuing giving life is not a given in our society. And so, if you can't think of a whole lot to think highly of your mother, She at least did that. She gave you life. That's not a given in our day. Now, not despising your mother becomes especially true as your mother gets older. Don't ever tell your mother and say, Mom, I'm not going to despise you now that you're old. But you need to ensure, you know, don't, don't write in the card, and Mom, I just want you to know now that you're old, I, I'm not going to despise you. Or, Mom, I'm working very hard to make sure I don't despise you now that you're old. I want to bless you today. That will not bless her. But the concept here is that as you get older, you get older, you gain responsibilities of your own. Very often you get married, have your own children, you have a career you're pursuing, you have life goals and pursuits with your family. And so while your mother's influence in your life lessens, you must not let your value for her lessen, even though the relationship radically changes. I've seen many times where people have an unhealthy relationship with their mother after they get married. That is not biblical. 
But the idea here is that while the relationship radically changes, the time you spend together may radically and probably should radically change, that doesn't mean that how you value her should ever change. Our mothers are always worthy of being valued and not held in contempt. And one of the ways that you can bless your mom is by letting her know that she is valuable to you. The next way that we can bless our mothers is by not harming her. In Proverbs 19.26, it tells us, he that wastes his father and chases away his mother is a son that causes shame and brings reproach. The word to chase away here means to injure, to harm, or to wound. We should not be doing that towards our moms. It's one of those things that you read in the Bible that you kind of think, well, that should be obvious. Did God really have to even say that? There are times in Scripture when Israel would do certain things that were so vile that the Lord would say to them, He would say, I didn't even think to write you a command to not do this because I didn't think anyone would do something so horrible. Now, certainly God didn't catch him by surprise. He's using human language to describe how horrified he is by what they're doing. For example, one of the things he mentioned was is how they would sacrifice their children to idols. And he would write to them, he'd say, I didn't give you a law about this because I thought it was obvious. And when we read about this here, and we read about the idea, for example, Exodus 21.15 says, do not strike your mother. Proverbs 28, 24 says, do not rob your mother. Leviticus 20, verse 9, Proverbs 20, verse 20, and Exodus 21, 17 say, do not curse your mother. Like these are things you would think to yourself, God shouldn't have to bring that up. Yet it happens, doesn't it? A Christian should not treat any person with violence, whether that's causing physical, financial, or verbal harm. And even when we're in a difficult conversation with someone, our goal isn't to wound them. It's certainly not to take advantage of our ability to cow them into submission by our personality or by our wit. When we think that we shouldn't treat others that way, certainly our mothers are no exception to those truths. And so one of the ways that you can bless your mother is by treating her kindly and by speaking to her kindly. And I would say that that is even more important if you have a strained relationship with your mother. In Proverbs 16, verses 23 and 24, it says, The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Isn't that awesome? Like you think about that statement. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth. You ever like you say words and they come out and you want them back as soon as you said them? You haven't done a good job teaching your mouth yet. But the heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as in honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Have you ever been in a bad spot where like it's just either you blew it or things are just really, like, you, you just, things are just bad, like you're just miserable. If someone comes and they give you a hard time, has that ever helped? No. In contrast, pleasant words 
bring health to the bones. If you have a strained relationship with your mother, I would say it's even more important that you treat her kindly and speak to her kindly. You're not going to bring life into a situation by piling on. The next way that we can be a blessing to our mothers is, Proverbs says this repeatedly, don't be foolish. In Proverbs 10.1, it says this, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. The word foolish here, it means the state of being in complete lack of understanding. It describes a person who doesn't listen to anyone besides themselves. It's often used to describe someone as a rebel. Well, that person is a rebel. Like, I know we use rebel in a positive way these days. I'm always awed to hear Jesus described as a rebel. That's the worst description for Jesus. Jesus was not a rebel in any way, shape, or form, and anyone who is telling you so is totally out of touch with the Bible. Jesus was a submitted man, the very opposite of a rebel. A rebel is someone who doesn't listen to anyone beside themselves. And the Bible says that a son who is like that is the heaviness of his mother. We read in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Right after that, it says, my son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law, the teaching, the instruction of your mother. Right? Isn't it interesting that right before God tells us this, he says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths or literally make them straight. When you and I are not trusting the Lord with all our heart, when we're not listening to good instruction, the Bible says, and we just, the only person we listen to is ourselves, it says we we bring our mother heaviness. The word heaviness means grief or sorrow. Now, in contrast to bringing her heaviness, Proverbs 23, verses 24 and 25, says what happens when we're righteous, when we're wise with our choices. It says in Proverbs 23, verse 24 and 25, the father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begets a wise child shall have joy from him. Your father and your mother shall be glad, and she that bear you shall rejoice. When you are walking in God's ways and trusting the Lord, your mother will rejoice. And so one of the ways that you can bless your mother is by trusting the Lord with all your heart and not leaning on your own understanding. You say, well, my mom's not a believer. She doesn't even agree with God's ways. Well, even if that's the case, if you're trusting the Lord with all your heart, God's making your path straight which means even if she never realizes it or recognizes it, she will be spared the grief and the sorrow that comes from watching her child make foolish decisions. And I know I don't have to explain to any mother here that one of the most heartbreaking things you can see is your child making foolish decisions. Well, two more. They're special in the sense that they're for special groups. One is to unmarried children. So I'm speaking to you today. If you are not married and you are a child, you have a mom, which is everyone here who's not married. The Bible has 
another way that you can bless your mom. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, it tells us, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Another way that you can bless your mother is by obeying her. The word obey means to listen to her, to submit to her. Now, when I tell this to young people mostly, usually when you become more of an adult, you start to realize how selfish and how self-indulged and foolish you can be, and you tend to be more, li- more open to listening. But oftentimes with folks who are living under their mom's authority, their parents' authority still, they'll say, when I say these things, they'll say, I say you need to obey your mom. And they'll say, but my mother isn't a Christian. Or they might say, well, my mother isn't as spiritual as I am. We say those things sometimes as if the Lord was never in a similar situation and that we don't have an example of how to act in that kind of situation. That is an unwise conclusion to make. Turn to Luke chapter 2 with me because I think it's important that we read the whole thing. Luke chapter 2, and we'll begin in verse 40. Jesus, after it mentions that he he was dedicated to the Lord, dedicated to God as a child, verse 40, and the child, Jesus, grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So Jesus, he became spiritually strong. He was filled with wisdom, knew how to make good choices, and God's grace was upon him. Jesus, we know, never sinned. Imagine trying to parent that child. Verse 41, when Jesus is 12, it says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, the feast of Passover had multiple days where they did multiple things. When they fulfilled the days, as they returned, so they're headed back to Nazareth, the child Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. Now, before you think to yourself, horrible parents, how do they not know where their kid is? How do they lose their kid in this massive city? Don't don't you keep them close? You have to realize something. When you would travel in those days, no one traveled distances alone. That was unsafe. You traveled in packs. So when you would be moving together, you'd be hanging out with the other adults, and the kids would all be walking together too. It's just how things worked. You're with other family members. I mean, you figure somebody's keeping an eye on them. And so... It says, but they, verse 44, supposing them to have been in the company of the big group they're traveling with, they went a day journey, and then panic set in because a day later they realized he's not there. They sought him among their kinsfolk and their acquaintances. Verse 45, and when they did not find him, they returned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. So they're in Jerusalem looking for their son who's been missing, and then 46 says, and it came to pass that after three days... Talk about panic. Talk about fright. Talk about what do we do? Where's Jesus? Where's our son? I would say normally that that is definitely conditions for some discipline. And yet they find him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, all the rabbis, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So they're observing as they find him, you know, somebody finally points out, well, there's this kid over there. Is that yours? And they go up there and they see him and, and here he is. And 
It's fascinating. Jesus is interacting with these teachers, these rabbis. He's asking questions. He's giving answers to things. And everybody's shocked and amazed that this little guy knows so much. Verse 48, and when they saw him, they were amazed. They're watching what's going on. But then at some point, the whole panic kicks in, the fear kicks in, the frustration kicks in. And his mother says to him, son, why have you thus dealt with us? This is probably the first time she ever thought she had legitimately chasing him. Why did you do this? Behold, your father and I have sought you sorrowing. We are anxious. And he said unto them, how is it that you, did, you sought for me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? In her mind, she's thinking, Jesus messed up. And what basically Jesus' response to her is, is, mom, how did you not know where I'd be? How are you not in tune with, the, with my father? How did you not know that this is where I'm supposed to be right now? In other words, who's the more spiritual person at this point? Jesus didn't do anything wrong. It was Mary and Joseph that were on the wrong page. And yet, even after Jesus explains it, look at verse 50. And they did not understand the saying which he spoke unto them. The fear, the panic, all those things overwhelmed the truth that he was sharing with them. And they acted based on that rather than the truth. So what do you do at that point if you're Jesus? I'm where I'm supposed to be. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm far more spiritual than my mother. I'm far more obedient to my father than my mother. Look at how he responds, verse 51. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. That's our word obedience here. He obeyed them. Mary was less spiritual than Jesus. Mary didn't understand God's plan for Jesus. In fact, later on, when Jesus was an adult, he mentioned that she needed to get saved just like everyone else needed to, that she wasn't right with the Lord at the time. And yet Jesus still obeyed her. If anyone had a legitimate reason or an excuse not to obey his mother, it was Jesus. And yet we need to follow his example of humility, trust in God's divine order, and obey our mothers. If you want to be a blessing to your mother, then obey her. My mom, every Mother's Day, and I don't know if she's watching now or not, but she'll get a chuckle from this, I'm sure. Every Mother's Day was, would come up. We'd say, Mom, what do you want for Mother's Day? What can we do for you for Mother's Day? Mom, do you want us to do this? Do you want us to throw, us, throw you a party? Do you want us to make you this food? Do you want us to get you this present? How can we make Mother's Day special? And my mom would answer the same way every single year. Please, just listen to me for one day. <laughs> Never did her answer change. Please, just listen to me for one day. Listen, if you have not left your father and mother to get married yet, then obedience is one of the ways you can bless your mom. Obey her. Now, the second special admonition here, or special group that I'm going to speak to, is fathers. The Word has a special way it tells us that we can be a blessing to moms as fathers. It talks about it in Proverbs 29, 15. Proverbs 29, 15. Proverbs 29, 15. It says, the rod and reproof give wisdom. In other words, physical discipline and teaching and instruction give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. 
The phrase left to himself, it means to send off into unbridled joyfulness, to give free play to someone. It refers to a child who is undisciplined and therefore has no self-restraint. That child and eventually that adult, their primary goal is their personal happiness, even if it means crossing the boundaries God has set up for life. When we, as fathers, make it a priority to not have boundaries for our kids because we want them to be happy, the Bible says that it brings shame to their mother. The word shame means painful feelings or emotional distress. So dads, I say to you this morning, if not upsetting your child or seeing your child happy and smiling and playing is a greater priority to you than protecting your wife's heart from being broken by what your child might turn out to be when they're an adult, then you are not blessing the mother of your children. One of the ways that we can bless the mothers of our children is by being involved in our children's lives, by laying down what we want to do with our time to engage with our children. Now, certainly that includes Discipline, physical discipline. So I, I don't like to spank my kids or I don't like to do this. You know, I let my wife take care of that. God didn't ask you to do things you like. God created you as a man to die to yourself, to lay down your life for others. This includes physical discipline when necessary. It includes teaching. It includes training them through the everyday events of life. It means being present and participating, not just providing. If you're not present and you're not participating in your children's lives, you're very likely not blessing the mother of your children. It has been said the best gift a father can give his children is to love their mother, and I think there's a lot of truth in that. I don't know if it's the best gift, but it's a good gift. It's one of the best gifts you can give your children is to love their mom. But it is also true that one of the best gifts you can give to your wife is to be a diligent father to the children that God gave to both of you. That's one of the ways you can bless a mother. Now, you might be thinking this morning, well, that's a great message, Pastor Will, but what if my mother's no longer alive? Or what if I don't have any way to contact my mother? Like, what, what do I do in regards to mothers and what the Bible has to say about that? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 2 says something very interesting. Paul, as he's instructing young Timothy on how to interact with the people in his congregation, he says this, treat the older women like mothers. It's an interesting way to call it. Treat the older women like mothers. You and I can still be blessings to mothers by treating the older women in your life in all the ways that I described this morning by any woman that's older than you or could be your mother in a sense that you can treat them in all these same ways. Every Christian can participate in Mother's Day that way. But maybe you're here this morning and you're a mother and you say, well, I don't have children. Well, the Bible teaches us that all women can be mothers to those women who are younger than them in the faith. In Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, it says, the aged women teach them, Titus, that they have their godly conduct, 
that they be in behaviors becomes holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. And then verse 4 says that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. In Psalm 113, verse 9, in reference to women who have not been able to have children, it says this. It says that he makes them, the barren, it says he makes the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Now certainly that refers to the fact that God can open the womb and he can do a miracle and give children to those who have not been able to have them. But it also refers to those who don't have children who are simply barren and that he can cause them to be a mother of many children. In other words, Mother's Day has something from God's word for all of us to ponder. And so my exhortation to you this morning as we close is let's purpose in our hearts to be those who are a blessing to mothers. And certainly not just today, but in how we conduct ourselves towards mothers each and every day. Amen? Amen. Well, normally this is a time I would have you stand and we would pray. And we will do that in a moment. But before we do so, I would like to have all of our moms this morning stand up. And if you've mothered other young women, even if they're not your biological children, you're welcome to stand as well. I know that there are many things that can be heard out there by those who maybe don't have the same value system that you do that can oftentimes make you feel like the decisions you've made, that others don't see any value in them. That the sacrifices you've made, the commitments you've made, that others see them as contemptible. And so this morning, on behalf of Calvary Chapel Orlando, I would like to say thank you. Thank you for your sacrifices. Thank you for holding fast. Thank you that despite failures, you keep trucking. You keep loving your kids. You keep on keeping on. Thank you for all the time and the energy you've invested into us and into the other people around you. The Lord sees. He knows. And he's blessed. And so this morning, we want to be a blessing to you. So... Thank you. Let's all stand. Lord, we are so grateful, so grateful for the gift of life that our moms gave to us, Lord. We start there. There's so many more things. But we start there. And why not? Our world is so confused. Why not start at the beginning? Thank you for those who gave us life, Lord. Thank you that we have life. Thank you for their love, Lord. Thank you for their sacrifice and their commitment. And Lord, we pray for every mom this morning that you would strengthen them, that you'd empower them, that you'd encourage them, especially with all the discouraging words out there that would hold them and their decisions in contempt. And Lord, we commit to you this morning to be those who honor and revere our mothers. In spite of all their shortcomings, Lord, we choose this morning to be those who honor and revere our mothers. We choose to be those who don't despise them or forsake their teaching. Certainly, Lord, those that do not harm them. Lord, that we would not be foolish, but instead we would trust you. We choose to be those who trust you that we can bring joy 
to our mother's hearts. Lord, bless them, I pray. Use all of us. Help us to honor the women in our lives. We commit them to you in Jesus' name and our lives as well. Amen.